Welcome to the Hidden Archives. I'm your host, Nicole Clark. The episode that will debut after this one will be our annual holiday episode. We hope that you're looking forward to it as much as we are. Ray Bradbury has said, We need not to be let alone. We need to be really bothered once in a while. How long is it since you were really bothered? About something important. About something real. This warning constitutes the first real thing that is important. If you choose to enter the hidden archives, if you choose to study the tomes, if you choose to take this journey with me, you do so at your own risk. Profanity and disturbing content will follow. This is your warning. Tonight we find ourselves in the company of a gentleman who is trying to find out exactly when it all went wrong. You see, some dreams he was having had led him to take certain actions that leave him thinking it might have been better to let sleeping dogs lie. I don't believe they'll find her here. Or at least, I hope not. But then again, all killers probably think the same thing as they drag the body of their most recent victim through the woods, up to the aqueduct, or into the desert wherever they choose to dispose of their garbage. My choice? Personally, and I believe it to be a good choice at that, is the middle of the Black Forest in Colorado, about 400 yards north of one of the taller pines visible from one of the various roads. If I said any more, I'd be giving myself away. Don't ask me how I got the car out here, that rusty old bucket of bolts Buick. Don't ask me, because I don't know. You know, while I'm out here, I might as well bury the glove box lid. It came off about a week ago, and was rolling around in the back seat before I threw it into the trunk. I only say this because the trunk is open, and the light from the trunk lid is glimmering off of the girl's blood that seems to have seeped through the blanket I wrapped her in, and onto the damn glove box lid. Two problems taken care of at once. Just real quick, I would like to make it clear that I am not a bad guy. Or, at least, I don't think I am. But I, like any other guy, have my share of ex-girlfriends that swear that Benjamin Hartland is Satan incarnate, come to torture the innocent on Earth and leave them as soulless as he is himself. Am I right? I'm sure most people have at least one ex that firmly believes something like that. This whole fiasco was merely an accident. That's all. The thing is, lately, I've not been sleeping well. There are these dreams that I have where I hear voices. Not like that. I'm not crazy. I hear voices in my apartment, just in the other room, like someone has broken in. In the dream, I'm always in bed when I hear them, like someone broke in thinking that no one was home and didn't bother to check and see if this assumption was correct. So, in these dreams, I grab the hunting knife that I keep with my hiking gear in the closet, and I head into the next room to confront the thieves. But they're always gone by the time I get there because it takes me so long to dig my knife out of my rucksack. And it takes too long to put on my glasses, which are never on the nightstand where I left them, once I have the knife. 
So I head back to bed as if nothing ever happened, and that is when I actually wake up. This recurring dream is unlike any other dream I've had in the past. I've had the same nightmares that everyone else has probably experienced. Like the dream where you are giving a speech in your underwear, or where you showed up for a test in a school subject that you have never heard of, or where you are being chased by a faceless monster. But my dream is different. In it, I know it's a dream. But I always go to the front door and check the deadbolt anyway. It is, of course, always locked, and there's never any trace of anyone entering. But, as a consequence of this dream, and the frequency at which I have it, I've taken to sleeping with a hunting knife under my pillow, fearing that all of this might be some sort of harbinger. Honestly, I don't think any of this would have happened if not for a bizarre episode about two weeks ago. I was just sitting in my living room, the very same room that the crooks are always in in the dream, when I heard a quiet rustling in the lock. Like someone was trying to slowly pick it or unlock it. But I'm the only one with a key, so I just figured it was my imagination and didn't bother to take a look through the peephole. After a second, the noise stopped. But it started right back up again. So I grabbed the knife, which I just so happened to leave on the bookshelf after I got home from hiking earlier that day, and I peered through the tiny lens in the door to discover that there was, in fact, someone there. Keeping the knife off to the side, just out of view, I opened the door to reveal a normal enough looking guy. In his right hand, he had a set of keys, and in his left, he had a shopping bag, though I couldn't see inside. Hey, can I help you? I said politely. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, I feel kind of dumb right now. I thought this was my apartment, but I, uh, must be one over. Uh, no worries, man, it's alright. Yeah, I didn't mean to bother you, make you think, who the hell is trying to break in? I am really sorry about that. He looked truly embarrassed. I kind of felt a bit bad for the guy. He had this look in his eyes that said, God, I wish no one was home. I really hope this guy doesn't think I'm nuts, drunk, or dumb. I really wished I hadn't opened the door because he would have eventually realized his mistake and just walked away a little less red-faced. John, by the way. He stuck out his hand and I shook it. Ben. Nice to meet you, Ben. Sorry about all of this again. It really is okay. Don't worry about it. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. It was a simple, honest-to-God mistake. I could tell John was sincere and that he really was embarrassed too, though I didn't think he should have been. I really could see how anyone could make that mistake. All the buildings look the same in my apartment complex, and each building has three floors with two stairwells. One on the front, and one in the back of the building. I live on the third floor, as he probably does too. If you usually use the front stairs, but switch to the back stairs for some reason, especially if you are new to the area, then it's pretty easy to get turned around. 
Regardless, though, when I heard the lock and saw someone outside my door, my imagination kind of ran away with me. It got my blood flowing a bit and sent all sorts of insane thoughts whirring around my mind. In retrospect, it does seem crazy to think that someone would attempt a daring daytime robbery with keys and shopping bag in tow. But I'm a young guy, and being young and excitable, my mind craved some excitement right then. And I pondered the whole situation for some time after it was all over. Apparently, this collection of thoughts and emotions packed up and moved into my subconscious, where it fermented and festered into the dream that I have been having. But this is only the first link in a whole chain of events that led up to tonight. See, the situation with John led to the dreams. The dreams led to a lack of sleep. And the lack of sleep led to me feeling a bit... weird. By weird, I just mean off, like something isn't right. Not crazy or anything like that. Not depressed either. Just unusual. So, what do I do in such a situation? I read. Reading allows me to escape to another world, where things are fantastic and thrilling. It takes me away from my personal and admittedly boring existence and into something that wholly envelops my imagination. Of course, if I truly desire for all of this fantasy and adventure to whisk me away, it helps to get out of my apartment. So, as I always do, I headed down to James Roast, the local cafe, where the coffee is hot, the couches are soft, and the people that make the coffee are just as nerdy as me. Hell, this is usually enough without a book burning up my coat pocket. I'll admit, though, if you bring a book with a long enough title, it makes you seem intellectual. And the people there, staff and patron alike, seem to find that fascinating. There's been more than one time when I brought a book, slid my glasses thoughtfully down my nose, and spoke like I didn't give a single damn in the entire world. Inevitably, someone would always ask, Oh, what are you reading there? And just like that, I was in the spotlight. But tonight, I just wanted to read and be left alone. I even put contacts in and chose a book with a colorful cover so that I might look a little less intellectual. I ordered my usual their largest cup full of their cheapest coffee, black. Then I chose a couch at the far corner of the shop and went to work escaping my own meaninglessness. I don't really remember doing so, but I must have fallen asleep. I guess the exciting colors on the book's cover were no indication of its content. However, what I do remember is hearing voices. Voices that were not in the next room, but right in front of me. I awoke, startled, but I must have been asleep for a while because my contacts were dry and everything was blurry. Instinctively, I reached around my head to where the pillow would be, had I been at home, and grabbed the hunting knife. Now, 
Next thing I knew, the voices had stopped and a choking sound had begun. My eyes were still blurry, but I could see the silhouette of a figure before me. This figure was petite though, not the burly build that might be the stereotype of a crook. I felt something like warm honey on my hand, and then the figure descended. There was a thud as it dropped to the floor. I began to come to my senses and realize where I was. I blinked my eyes a few times and resolution came flooding back. Was it adrenaline of being suddenly awakened that was making my hand shake as it rose red in front of my eyes? I bet it was something else. I bet it was the thing slumped at my feet. I felt the warm honey in my shoes then. It was definitely late because everything outside was dark. It had to be around closing time because no one else was there. Lucky me. Too bad I couldn't say the same thing for the poor girl dead at my feet. I needed to know what time it was. I needed to know because if it was late enough, I would be able to think of something, a way out of this. I don't wear a watch anymore, so I had to search for a clock somewhere. Finally, I found one on the back wall above the cash register. 12.25 AM, nearly half an hour past closing time. The dear girl must have let me sleep while she closed up. I looked at the lifeless form at my feet and recognized her right away. It was Amy. I had more than a few of my intellectual conversations with her in the past. She really was bright too, and she must have really trusted me to let me stay asleep this long. I'd even bet she was going to ask me out when she locked up, had I not killed her that is. I had to slip off my shoes and roll up the legs of my jeans slightly to keep from tracking blood all throughout the coffee shop as I went about cleaning up the mess. First order of business, close the blinds. I could do this with one hand, but order number two was to wash the blood off my other hand so that I could move on to order of business three, four, etc. until I was finished. Luckily, there were some pretty powerful detergents in the supply room by the bathrooms in the back of the shop. I chose one that smelled pretty strong and washed my hands in the ladies' room, just to throw off the trail a bit. Logically, a male suspect would, out of habit, choose the men's room, right? Once that was done, I went outside to my car and took the emergency blanket from the trunk. I laid it out on the floor beside Amy, away from the pool of blood. Then I turned her on her back to keep from dripping blood over a wider area and placed her in the center of the emergency blanket. She was five foot nothing tall and only about 90 some odd pounds, less with all the blood that was now pooled on the floor. Lucky me, because this made it so that I could wrap the blanket around her and then tape the seam closed with some duct tape that I had found in the supply closet with the cleaning supplies. Next, I had to get Amy to the car so I could clean up the rest. But first, I found her purse and snatched the keys out. Then the two, girl and purse, 
were in the trunk of the car in a flash. Cleaning up the blood was hard work. It had already started to dry by the time I was done with everything else. But I got it done and everything seemed just peachy. Finally, I just had to change my clothes and take care of the security footage. I went back out to the car to change into a pair of old gym shorts and a college sweatshirt that had been rolling around in the back seat with the glove box lid, before it ended up in the trunk that is. Now I could go back in and take care of the easiest task of the night. When I stole the duct tape and cleaning supplies, I noticed the security feed. Closed circuit. They still use tapes. I just had to find one from a few weeks ago, relabel it with today's date, and take the actual tape from tonight with me. After that, I just locked up the joint as if Amy had closed it herself and rolled off. So, here I am. Seems like I've covered everything. I dug the hole, put Amy in it, put the glove box lid, trunk mat, videotape, my old clothes, Amy's purse, and the knife in the hole. Seems like I've got it all covered. If they catch me, then it's no big deal. I'll dig everything up and show them the tape because it clearly shows that it was all an accident. I likely wouldn't get a life sentence for cold-blooded murder. Maybe about five years with a good lawyer, but I doubt I'll get more than that. I feel pretty confident though. She will just be another missing person. I'll remember Amy fondly when I see her picture in the penny saver. All this has me thinking though. I believe it's really John's fault. I'm sure I have another knife with his name on it somewhere. But I don't want to be cliche about it by using a kitchen knife. Maybe I'll choose a cleaner method. Like piano wire or a guitar string. Hell, maybe I'll just let sleeping dogs lie. But there's one thing I can't figure out. I know I left it at home. So how did I stab her with a hunting knife? The moral of the story? Even during non-pandemic times, maybe social distancing is still important. Thank you all for joining us once more, and we look forward to seeing you again. Also, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There are many more stories from the Hidden Archives that have yet to be shared. We hope that you join us next time for another glimpse into the archives. This has been a production of the Rhodes Collaborative Experience, LLC. Please no reproduction, duplication, or bastardization of any content without written consent from RCX or its partners. Ex Animo, Ex Tempus, in Archivum. <laughs>